Good morning, everyone, and welcome once again to a fantastic Monday. Uh, great intro. That intro always gets me excited. Um, welcome so much, everyone. I'm really excited for you to be joining us today. Uh, we're going to introduce Dr. Um, Breen in a second to talk a little bit about the pandemic within a pandemic. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to remind you next week we have Christopher Lawrence coming uh, to chat with us on the Monday Mindset Meeting to talk a little bit about the healthy transformation and how that can help you. And I have a feeling it's going to tie in really nicely to what Dr. Breen is going to be talking about uh, today. And so again, if you've not already done so, please make sure you add the in the comment in the chat section, you know, uh, what type of business are you in or where you are in life as well as where you are in the great city. And again, share this information with other folks about the Monday Mindset Meeting, where we really try to kick off your week uh, off of the bang by giving some relevant information specifically about uh, a mindset and what some of some key actions that you could be taking throughout this week to make it a very productive week. And so without any further delay, let me just really quickly introduce uh, Dr. Michael Breen. Remarkable health is possible within, with uh, the application of remarkable science. A quote that Dr. Breen uh, likes. Another quote is, live life to its fullest by being healthy. Uh, it's never too late to feel better. Oh, man, that's such a great quote, Dr. Breen, because I know that's your, your kind of your slogan. Um, because sometimes we do feel that it's too late for us. Um, Anyways, we'll get into that in a second. Uh, Dr. Michael Breen is a chiropractic um, chiropractor in Central Calgary. He focuses uh, he focused on uh, postural me mechanics, pain relief, and preserving functional range of motion. Dr. Breen also emphasizes health optimization and is a practitioner of personalized lifestyle medicine. Uh, he's also the co-founder of the Healthy Transformation Program, something Christopher is going to chat about next week. Uh, Dr. Breen's clinical philosophy is that healthfulness, energy, vitality, and sustained quality of life are um, easily achievable with customized and personalized chiropractic and lifestyle lifestyle intervention. You could tell it's a Monday morning. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Dr. Michael Breen. Listen, let's get right into it. In Seattle, um, everyone in the field of functional medicine looks to this, this scientist as the person who started the movement, the father of functional medicine. And he penned a piece back at the end of June in an online uh, magazine called Medium. And that was the title that he came up with, a pandemic within a pandemic. And uh, I know we'll get into it in detail, but the brief point, and almost kind of starting with the end, the pandemic of chronic ill health, the pandemic of cardiovascular disease, of type 2 diabetes, of autoimmune diseases, the pandemics of these things that have been going on now for 40 or 50 years, and COVID are remarkably intertwined. These things are, are inextricably connected. The, the bad news, unfortunately, for the people who have these chronic illnesses is that data from all over the planet, and I mean every part of the planet, is saying the same thing, and that is the people who have <clears throat> these chronic diseases or non-communicable diseases have a disproportionate number of the poor COVID outcomes. In other words, the people who are already sick are the ones who have the worst outcomes from COVID. So the pandemic of COVID is actually existing within the pandemic of chronic ill health. That's really what the title means. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah. So really the folks who are vulnerable are those folks who have a history, you're saying, of um, diseases or illness or all these other things because it's already attacking them, their body. And so it allows for this breeding ground then for COVID. Mm -hmm. to 100%. Uh, and and, and you know, again, we get into more detail, a, a little bit of detail on this is those people who suffer from chronic disease, again, of the, the, the major ones, mm -hmm. <clears throat> when you get back to it, what is it that is foundational to the chronic diseases? And the answer is compromised immunity. That's, right. that's really the foundational piece. So we can name the conditions. They all have fancy names and they have different elements. But foundational to every single one of them is compromised immunity. And if your immunity is already compromised and then you get exposed to a virus, not just COVID, but any virus or any bacteria, wow. then your body is going to be less able to deal with this. So the data from COVID is just pouring in every single mm -hmm. day. And yet this is not new. It was already known that people who had compromised health by way of chronic diseases were always more susceptible to things like the flu right. and colds and everything else. And voila, here it is again, um, mm -hmm. but in a unfortunately more serious form. Uh, but that's that's the, the take-home message that immunity gets compromised as a consequence of chronic disease. And when your immune system is compromised, then you are a bit of a sitting duck. Right. And so with that, it leads me to think, for those folks who are in that position, is there anything they can do? What can they do yep. about that? Or even people who maybe are not in that position, is there something that they do? Or should they sit on their loins thinking... I'm good because yeah. we've heard that too, yeah. right? Someone feeling that, well, I'm healthy, I exercise, I go for jogs, I'm athletic, this is not going to happen to me. What do you say to both of those? Well, you, great, yeah. For the people who are not doing the, uh, the, the jogging and the athletic people, I'll speak to them mm -hmm. first. And the, okay. uh, I guess the point is, is that, that we have kind of lost our way, in my opinion, in terms of a, 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 a sense of, the attempt to achieve healthfulness. I think we tend to kind of just ramble on through life. Uh, and many people unfortunately think, well, if I get sick, someone will take care of me, or there's a system that will take care of me, something to that effect. And unfortunately, this circumstance here is defining that, no, that's not the case. Uh, there are people in hospitals and ICUs and all that kind of stuff, and that's great. And yet, um, if you're not well and you get COVID, bad things can happen really quite quickly. Um, and so, we need to collectively move towards a sense of, of improved healthfulness. And for those who are already doing things, again, like the athletic types, um, keep it up. Uh, there's no question about that. There are many things that can be done. Uh, at the very top of the list would be food. Eating correct food without question is directly connected to immune system capacity and what's now being called immune system resilience. And resilience is just a great word in, in the sense of COVID mm. because the term resilience means the ability to withstand um, influences and, uh, uh, and, and stresses and, and traumas and that kind of thing. So food produces immune system and healthful resilience. And that's what we all need under these circumstances is to really kind of go back to that diet. I mean, uh, Dr. Breen, I mean, I've known Christopher is going to probably talk about this next week yeah. in the Health to Transformation program, uh, or yeah. at least that, that program itself. Uh, so we all know we're supposed to eat good food. We know we're supposed to eat greens. Like, this is not new to us. But what's right. getting in the way? Oh, boy. Uh, 
That's a that's a great question to ask Christopher. Why every time me, I talk I'll, to you, you do that? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Is that go, am I a master of deflection? I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> here's 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 my point. Um, we have become, unfortunately and unconsciously, the consequence of an enormous marketing influence on the side of food manufacturers. And boy, I don't disparage businesses from making money. That is that that's not it at all. Okay. Their job is to make a profit by selling their goods. And for decades and decades, they have been telling us to eat these things that really have got us into the mess that we're in. Um, uh, uh, you've heard me say this. I don't watch Saturday morning cartoons much anymore. But uh, a little, little while ago when I did, I would just rail at the television with the commercials about these sugar-laden cereals and all these types of things that have let us down the pathway to think that we can consume pretty much anything we want. Uh, if it's sold in a grocery store, it must be good for us, that kind of thinking. Um, and that has got us into this mess. Uh, there's really no, no question about it. In fact, the British Medical Journal, I just happen to have one here. This is um, from the beginning of July. Uh, it says, uh, title is COVID-19 and the metabolic syndrome. Could diet be the key? Uh, that's brand new research from the British Medical Journal. Um, Science Daily News, this was July 15th, obesity and metabolic syndrome uh, as relates to COVID-19. So this is from the mainstream medical journals are now speaking to food mm -hmm. as the, the basis by how we get out of this problem. Now, does that happen between uh, today and tomorrow? And the answer is no, this is all a long game. So, so, you know, wear your masks uh, for the time being. And yet in the long run, uh, on a personal level, but also on a global level, the solution is, is helpfulness. We've got to create a healthier society and it starts with food. And it's unfortunate that we've fallen into this trap by way of the cultural influences on us that get us to think that we can do anything we want with food and there are no consequences. Unfortunately, COVID is proving that to be wrong. It's proven that because it's it's literally habitating in those people who have those uh, things that's going on for them right now. I have another question for you, but before I get into that, you know, I'm going to call on um, Yvonne here, I, her comment uh, oh, that she mean, and and I don't know, because I, I personally, to be honest, disagree. Uh, however, I, we because we constantly hear it, right, that, you know, why we don't eat well, why we don't do those things is because people are lazy. I mean, what's your viewpoint on that? Is it people are just lazy? They just... Well, I, I guess there's a couple angles, and thanks for putting that in, Yvonne, and I, I understand where you're coming from, for sure. Um, before laziness is knowledge. If you don't have the knowledge to be able to apply a strategy, then it's hard to know which way to go. Mm -hmm. um, so again, the Healthy Transformations program uh, is, is a lot about that. I mean, we provide enormous amounts of knowledge to people so they can understand really what food represents. Um, so if a person doesn't have the knowledge, then in fact, I think they're more susceptible to the influences of marketing, right? They, they believe right. what they hear. And I think that's a big, big problem. Then that person gets knowledge, they educate themselves, they read some books. Um, and if they have the knowledge and then they still don't do it, uh, then, you know, you can apply a lot of terms to that. Laziness would be one of them. Uh, fear would be another one, too. Uh, not knowing where you're going with this and uh, what's going to happen to you. There's a lot of behavioral 
cultural kind of that intersection of uh, of things has a has a huge influence on on how we behave, how we act, uh, and again that the healthy transformation program deals with that as well. And how do we navigate this problem where food is, without question, the single most important thing we can do to optimize our health, and yet the culture doesn't know it. And even when they do know it, they don't want to apply it. That's the tricky right. part. Um, if I may go on. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. The, the, one of the big questions that is coming up within the scientific journals, uh, all of this, this stuff, is where is public health going? Mm-hmm. Public health on the medical side of things for the longest time, not by gross intent, it just happens to be the case. It has fallen into the same model of general medicine, which is disease prevention. So public health has been uh, finding people who are ill, who are disadvantaged, and giving them access to medications and those kinds of things to to prevent diseases from progressing or to manage the conditions. Um, by way of that, public health currently, as it relates to COVID, is connected to vaccine. I'm not an anti-vaccine person, but they're putting right. all their eggs into that basket. Um, what a lot of these commentators and um, scientists are saying is that public health needs to go back to health. We've got to put the health back in public health and, and initiatives to actually get um, people to understand the importance of food and the movement towards healthfulness, because not only will things like COVID and, and future pandemics be influenced by that, but the, the nature of non-communicable and chronic disease will be influenced. I mean, the implications of putting the health back in public health are so profound, it's, it's hard to uh, put it into words. Yeah, I hear you on the, the health in this piece. And, and the reason why, um, you know, I, I think it's not just, maybe that's the comment, it's not just laziness because there's a lot of uh, people who have information. And like you were just saying, sometimes these societal norms create an environment where we think this is what is acceptable, right? And like, for example, dessert like in the grocery store, 5,000 different types of foods. Like, again, I mean, I wasn't lazy when I go to these, you know, different events and they bring the cake out and then they bring the this out. And then they, like all these things were really not supposed to, to be eating. And I think we know how we feel when we eat certain things. And I think as a business owner, you and I have talked about this before, right? Is it does impact the type of business you run because if you're not healthy and you're not giving your body the right instructions by the food that you eat, it's going to impact your business. It's going to impact right. your employees from showing up and doing the work they're supposed to showing up. And I think that was one of the mm-hmm. best things I learned in the healthy transformation amongst many things was that the food we put in our mouth is giving our body instructions. And we've done that. We ate a certain type of food and we got the residual cause and consequences mm-hmm. of that yeah, food. Yep. And I think that's kind of what you're saying is the mindset is more about being healthy but right mm-hmm. getting that healthfulness back into the mindset so you can make those better decisions that allows you to do what you need to do am, am i on the same right. page there a hundred percent yeah and um uh the, the trick is and boy how do we get people to think about the importance of healthfulness because i think collectively we've kind of gone in the opposite direction well here's one of the classic cases Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister of Britain, was near death. In fact, the government was preparing the documents to announce to, the, to, the, to Great Britain that Boris Johnson had died. 
that's how close he was. Uh, he came out of it. Uh, and um, uh, right after that, he realized that I have a role to play in the outcome that I experienced. He's lost 15 to 20 pounds. He's running every day. He came to understand that his personal experience then is actually having an input right. into the culture of Britain. And they are doing all kinds of things now, like removing um, food-based advertisements until after 9 p.m. Uh, he's a, a conservative, and he's even thinking about putting sin taxes on foods that have uh, uh, high levels of sugar. So, so there, there needs to be some, some initiative uh, doing it personally, we're all supportive of that. You and I feel the same way. And yet, boy, right. we need some leadership on this in this area. And the leadership comes from government. And respectfully, Boris Johnson's the only one who's really telling it like it is. This is mm-hmm. that's really the point. And he's saying that for the United Kingdom to do well over the course of the next who knows how long, five, ten, fifteen, twenty, fifty years, we have to become healthier and we have to lose weight. Absolutely. And, you know, back to the environment thing, we're going to watch a video that uh, you brought here, uh, Dr. Green, in a second. But when I think about the environment for the employers on here or employees, sometimes this happens in the workforce, right? People bring stuff yeah. in and that's how we recognize and uh, people, we bring a box of chocolate, get Tim Hortons donuts. We do all these things. But again, keep in mind each time we're having that food that doesn't allow us to be what the, it, we're moving away, right? Is what you're saying, Dr. Green, around that health, healthfulness right is being mindful mm-hmm. okay and 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 being disconnected not realizing that this action is connected to this outcome uh and that that's a problem we have to understand that everything we stick between our lips has an influence on what happens to our body and i mean everything not just once in a while on every single thing and once we come to that understanding then we can move forward with this thinking and I think that truly is the pandemic. Uh, let's go to this yeah. video just to see uh, if we're able to play this. If not, we'll definitely share the link with everyone as well. There's a tiny little bit of adult content here. Folks. And finally, new rule. America's top health officials have to find the courage to do what the health officials in Huntington, New York did. They told the entire town of 200,000 to go on a diet because as the head of the program put it, With COVID-19, you're twice as likely to have a poor outcome if you're obese. Actually, it's worse than that. Public Health England found that people with a body mass index of 35 to 40 have a 40% greater risk of dying from COVID. And over 40, it's a 90% greater risk. Even being mildly obese makes it five times more likely that catching the virus will land you in the ICU. And now people are gaining even more weight. They call it the quarantine 15. Geez, I remember when plagues had a slimming effect on people. I don't think it's a coincidence that the countries with the lowest rates of obesity have had the fewest COVID deaths. Maybe China isn't hiding all their COVID deaths. Maybe their secret is that their obesity rate is 6% and ours is 42. And pointing all this out doesn't make me a dick. In fact, the shame is on everyone in media and government who is too cowardly to emphasize how important an issue this is. Because the virus made it an issue. Obesity was already killing us slowly, but you mix it with COVID and it kills you fast. You can scream all you want at me for saying that, but it won't change the scientific truth of it. 
Look, no one deserves to die because of their weight. And we should spare no expense protecting vulnerable people, no matter why they're vulnerable. But make no mistake, America fighting COVID is like a boxer who went into the ring out of shape and is taking a beating for it. Every day we hear the same warnings about fighting the virus, wear a mask, wash your hands, have sex through a glory hole. But the people in charge of health during a health crisis, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, Surgeon General Adams, head of the CDC, Dr. Redfield, National Institutes of Health Director, Dr. Francis Collins, they never really mentioned the one major thing most people could do to ensure a better outcome should they get it. To me, it's such a scandal these doctors won't look straight in the camera and say, the number one thing you can do to improve your chances is to be in better general health. And the number one route to that is an improved diet. To be a doctor right now and not discuss diet, it's like being a clown who won't do balloon animals. Why not an all-out campaign to educate the public on the dangers of a diet of sugary, chemical-laden crap? Krispy Kreme honored our frontline doctors and nurses in April by giving them 18 million donuts, which is like honoring firemen with napalm. And why not a campaign to make it a priority to get decent food into poor neighborhoods? Why not for every PSA about a mask, a PSA with a recipe for a healthy meal? I think so many lives could have been saved if at the very beginning of this crisis, the medical establishment had made a more concerted effort to tell Americans, while you're in lockdown, getting free money for not working, you need to do something too. Even the poorest person could switch out soda at meals for water. It'll save you money too. A national campaign to get in shape would have dramatically improved our chances against this disease and made us feel better about ourselves to boot. But it was never even mentioned. Even in a country that loves challenges, the ice bucket challenge, planking, all the this will make you puke challenges, condoms up your nose, the mannequin challenge. <laughs> Quite a challenge, that one. Why couldn't they have gotten behind a real challenge? Like, oh, I don't know, getting healthy so the virus doesn't kill you challenge? But as Michelle Obama found out, just trying to give sound nutritional advice gets you vilified in America. You're a health nut. Yeah, that's what they say about people who just eat right. They're nuts. It's a weird hippie shit like vegetables. No, no, we need to stop glamorizing gluttony. Diabetes isn't just a theory. And with this virus now, <laughs> enablers and glorifiers, you're playing with people's lives. If you're always on about how this is a life and death issue, and it is, we can't have body positivity be a third rail anymore. Political correctness can kill. I've seen it before. This issue is too fundamental to who lives and who dies and to how successful America is going to be in getting out of this crisis. 
First of all, I apologize that my mic, my mic was still on as well as my video because that is actually the first time I'm watching that video. So, so we have to hit it with you straight up, Kyle. I was but he I, it like okay. it is. Uh, yeah, you may have to come back for that one, Doctor Breen, because that is a lot. So, in in less than thirty seconds, what did we just what did we just listen to or uh, well, watch? what? Well, again, the different people hear different things from that. And, and I can tell you what I hear. And that is that this stuff that I collect, all these papers of, that I was going to show you more of, but, but we'll all come back another time. Speak to the science. There is remarkable science, very in-depth, and it's pouring in every single day. And all of the science is pointing to the fact that those people who have the disproportionate number of the worst outcomes are the people who are in the worst health. Sadly, many of them are also impoverished. They don't have good education. Um, there's a bunch of these social determinants of health that are influencing the outcome of this. And again, that goes back to the point I made about public health earlier and about how we have to change the course that we're on as it relates mm -hmm. to healthfulness, but particularly as it relates to food. And um, the point that Bill Maher made, uh, and he does it so well, is that what is it with these leaders, um, these remarkable doctors, very well trained, I have respect for them, like Dr. Fauci and all of the rest of them, why aren't they talking about food and healthfulness? That bugs me. There's yes. more to this story than just what they're saying, and I don't understand, well, I think I do, but I don't understand why they're not saying this other stuff. And yes. because the scientific community is without question defining that this is um, the reason for the problem. We have to get healthy. Dr. Breen, as a coach, because we, guys, we're going to have to stay another 15 minutes. Can you do another 15 minutes, Dr. Breen, for Q&A? Because we did not get any Q&A done. Uh, let me tell you, as a coach, why they're not saying anything about it, right? What I suspect is happening is that from the behavioral side of it, we attack those things we don't want to give up. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if they come out and say, you have to be healthy, you have to be more healthy and eat right, they will be attacked. And that becomes the noise. Look at the mask pandemic we're having right now. Right. It's right. some people just don't want it. And that's all we're hearing about. What about the, what about, and for good reason, some people shouldn't wear the mask. I listen, I'm not here to debate that. Right. I'm just right. saying we, it's natural for us to attack the thing that we don't want to change the behavior. We don't want to change the stuff. We want, right. we will attack it. We will give you reasons. We'll find five people to tell us that is not true. We will find those people. And that is what is happening. And I think maybe, and I'm, I'm not speaking for them, but I think the other stuff they're trying to tell you, they'd rather get out. I agree with you. The most effective line is to say, start here. So with that said, um, Dr. Breen, please stick around. I would love to do a little bit more Q&A. Folks, I am so sorry we ran out of time today just getting into this, getting into this piece. Well, what else is new? We always do <laughs> Because it's really fascinating. If you can stay with us for the next 15 minutes, we'll get into a little bit right of Q&A. Thank you so much for joining with us today. We look right forward on. to seeing you next week where we have uh, Christopher Lawrence talking a little bit about the healthy transformation. He's going to unpack a little bit more in detail some of the things that you can be able to do. But we'll leave you with this. Start with exercising and eating differently. I yeah. think that's really right what it is we're trying to say is be mindful. Dr. Breen, thank you once again. Quick little outro My here, pleasure. then we'll be right back. Right on.
Thank you so much. I can't believe we got through all of that in 30 minutes. That was a lot of information. And I mean, this opens up to a whole bunch of other things. Um, guys, thank you so much. I mean, we'd love to hear in the chat what resonated with you guys the most. You know, what are you willing to take away from this? Dr. Brina, there's something that someone can do right away this week. What is just one thing that folks can do this week that's going to bring them back to being mindful as well as with that healthy mindset? Uh, the, probably the, the best place to start, not the easiest necessarily, but the best would be to become very conscious, become very mindful about sugar consumption. Mm -hmm. There is no question that the consumption of sugar, not just in the refined sugar form, but is sugars in foods. Uh, so s starches, the high density carbohydrates, starches and grains like rice and potatoes and pastas and those kinds of things. I have, uh, very, very high sugar volumes in them. And there is, again, uh, no question that sugar, uh, blood sugar levels drive inflammatory responses. Okay? Right. Those of you who have known me already will have heard me say that num a number of times. The underlying problem that leads to chronic disease, which I mentioned earlier, is low-grade cellular inflammation. That's the term, but we just call it uh, inflammation or cellular inflammation. And it is driven by three main factors. <clears throat> One is sugar. Uh, the second is uh, chronic toxicity or toxic burden. And the third, in fact, is overweightness and obesity. The chemistry of fat cells actually contributes to the inflammatory effect. And so that's it. So we have diet and lifestyle. I actually got a little chart here that I can show you. Mm -hmm. um, uh, poor diet and lifestyle right at the very top um, leads to inflammation. That's what actually produces the effect. And then inflammation then uh, leads to different things. It leads to metabolic syndrome, which I'll talk about in a second. It also leads to changes in biochemistry, uh, enzyme function. And uh, from that chart, you can see that metabolic syndrome actually works its way to chronic disease, cardiovascular disease, diabetes. And the, uh, the biochemical changes um, uh, lead to uh, the activation of the virus. So which, whichever side you go down, it all begins when we talk about upstream health. Upstream is inflammation and upstream is lifestyle and diet. And then the consequence of those things right there is poor COVID outcomes. So it doesn't really matter which side you're on. It all begins right there. That's, that's the whole point. So if you can get the sugars out of your diet, um, it makes a big difference right out of the gate. And I mean, within 24 hours, you can start to have influences. 
Dr. Brain, don't, I mean, I've already invited you back. So don't introduce new terms that people are going to be asking me. What, what are, upstream, downstream? What? Or, you want me to save something? Okay. <laughs> well, just hold that until our next time that you're going to be back. Here's the thing. I'm going to pose to you guys, anyone who's listening right now or hearing my voice as well, I could see this. Here's the challenge for this week. The challenge for this week, for one day, go without sugar rice or pasta just for one day right we know there's other things going on just one day and i'd love to hear from you for those who are willing to take this challenge let me know in the chat says you know what got it challenge accepted that's what i want to hear challenge accepted and i want to hear at the end of this week i want for next week if we can start that because christopher's going to be here next week if you can come back next week and let me know what happened to you when you did that for one week who else is going to take me up on that so i see daryl i see linda (laughs) i see yvonne i see john Okay, so I'm seeing quite a few people now who are saying, hey, challenge accepted. So thank you, Christine, for one day. Carmel, thank you. For one day, just one day we're saying. If you do more, hey, that's on you. But just for one day, and we please come back next week and let Christopher know how that, if anything happened. If nothing happened for you, we're going to call Dr. Bean right away and call him vicious names. But just for one <laughs> week, let's just see. Did everyone, thank you, Kathy, is on there as well. Um, and again, for those who are listening, send us a quick email. Let me know, challenge accepted. And then to be able to come back and let us know what happened. <laughs> Fruit fly. That's <laughs> in Swatting things away. My worries is going to get into my mouth. That's not what I want to put in my mouth, Dr. Bree. That's okay. It's better than sugar. (laughs) So any questions, guys, thank you so much for participating on the challenge. Like I said, I will be here next week on Monday to find out how well you did. And we'll make sure I'll let Christopher know what we did. So that way he knows what's happening. Um, I think... um, Daryl, you had, had something here. Yeah. Okay, Dr. Green, do you want to read that out and just let's see if we Yeah, uh, it was uh, any thoughts on how to share and talk about these facts without being viewed as the conspiracy person. It's difficult to share other viewpoints that are different than what is being told on the media. Daryl, I'm with you 100% and you and I are pretty well aligned. Honestly, uh, you can look this stuff up yourself, but if you want it, come and get it from me. Uh, I'll give you all kinds of paper uh, on the journal that you just happened to have on your desk. (laughs) Yeah, just happened to have it. Um, And, you know, you never know when you're going to need it. You you keep it with you as best you can. I got a lot of it in my brain, but you can just say, well, get a load of this, get a load of this. And here's the quick point is that science, unfortunately, when I was a little kid, I had these, uh, you know, jaded interpretations that science was done for the purpose of everyone's benefit. And yet we come to know in the very short version that science has, um, uh, secondary interests and uh, there's different models different perspectives that exist and the one thing that we're getting now is the model of what I call not not disrespectfully the institutional model and why I say institutional is because it's public health agencies it's governments it's the CDC it's the United Nations it's the World Health Organization these institutional institutional groups are controlling the argument um, based upon a model that they are seeing by how to manage this. And so what I said earlier on in the, in the right. podcast was that there, that's not the only science that exists. There's a, mm-hmm. a plethora of other science that goes on that is dominating science, but is not being 
um, uh, portrayed by the institutional model or by the media, which is aligning itself with that. So is the other science accurate? 100% it's accurate. And uh, it's unequivocal. It's unchallenged. That's what data from around the world is saying. So it's just a matter of having it handy and say, yeah, well, that's their model. That's their idea. But what about this idea over here? Get a load of this. And in the long run, again, this is a, one is the short game and the other is the long game. The long game is a bit harder to get people to participate in. But in the, uh, in the big picture, in the long game, it's, it's really the only solution. Yeah, change is hard, Dr. Breen. And I think oh, when yep. just back to that that term institution, if you come from an institution of these type of things that has been groomed into you, behaved in like the, the practice, right? And to go to the other side is where folks really get stuck. And I mean, you could, like I said to you, you could find five source that says it's the best thing since sliced bread. And you could find another source that says it's the best thing since broccoli. You know what I mean? And so you will <laughs> always find this thing and i think what you're saying is just take the information make a decision for yourself and you'll see how you feel right if someone's telling me eating twinkies every day is going to be the best thing for you and i do and i don't feel well because my body will react then you yeah. know it's not working and we say that in business you know when to change something in your business because it's not working you know when to change something in your life because it's not working it's actually causing you pain it's causing you harm. right right and boy that, that's perfect and i absolutely expect someone like you to say that and because it's true and it's accurate that was a compliment um one thank you dr Brady. you should put these in writing when you say those things to me you need to put these in writing <laughs> oh it's always love you know that <laughs> so the, the problem is is that in our culture this is an opinion piece right now we have come to accept ill health as the norm We've got to the point where people, you look around and you see all these people who are perhaps overweight or not well, and we come to expect that when we get to a certain age that we shouldn't be able to, you know, play tennis or walk around the block or do whatever we want to do. It's become accepted, and that's unfortunate. So where, they, where a large percentage of the population, I mean a significant percentage of the population, has ill health, it, that's started to be, that begins to be perceived as being normal. Right. Whoa, right. have we ever got off track on that one? And so even when they're not well, they think it's okay. Uh, and that's, 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 it's weird how we ended up like that. Yeah, I mean, and Christopher is probably going to talk some about that next week as well. And so I'm not sure if you're going to be joining us uh, for that would be would be great. Um, if folks wants to get a hold of you just for a consult, have a chat like we Catherine's already posted your information. Is that something that you're available for? Like, what, what do we need to know? I am a hundred percent, a hundred percent available. It's, uh, uh, it's what I do. I love doing it, but in the context of COVID, it has taken on even greater importance. I was doing the Healthy Transformations program for six years prior to COVID and been in the, uh, the health and diet um, area for many, many years before that. And yet now, holy mackerel, is there an importance uh, on getting this thing straight. So if anyone would like to meet with me, talk over the phone, I'm, I'm doing face-to-face -face consultations and uh, uh, we've got masks and all that stuff if, you, if, if we need them. Um, I am very, very happy to do it there. I don't think there's any more important time than right now right. to get this straight. Uh, this is key. Uh, it, again, it doesn't happen overnight, but some things do. Like you said, the imp imperfect inspired action, you do one thing and it builds on others.
for sure. Uh, Dr. Breen, I'm just going to put you on the spot a little bit here just because I'm curious. Do you know if there's any patient that you have or in your circle that experienced COVID, that got COVID? Uh, not a patient. No, no, okay. I don't have a patient who's, who's had it, yeah. Okay. And do you know anyone in your circle that has COVID? Uh, not directly. Uh, I think we all have heard of a person who's a friend of a friend. Uh, okay. A thing I, I'm aware of some young people who are friends of my daughter's who tested positive and were asymptomatic or very mildly symptomatic, um, right. and that speaks to the point, right? The right. young people who have immune systems that are competent are getting right. negligible symptoms. Uh, right. Asymptomatic in 35% of the cases in Iceland, it was 50%. Um, but these people are not random. These are healthy people. Healthy people mm-hmm. don't get symptoms, and sick people do. Uh, that's, Interesting. that's really what it boils down to. Which yeah. Is, yeah, and that's what I was where I was kind of getting at, just to find out what is common, what isn't, right? And so if okay. those folks who are compromised, again, obviously get the system, they, they see it right away. And those people who, who don't don't sometimes even know it, and that's what they're they're mm-hmm. saying is that well, I feel yeah. great. And yeah. well, if you um, if you knew people who are in long term care facilities, then the answer would be different. Um, the um, this is the Canadian Institute of Health Information. There we go. There's another piece of data right there. Um, identified that as of May the 25th, 81%, 81% of the deaths in Canada were in long-term care facilities. And that's unfortunate. That's a real shame. We don't like to hear or know that. Um, and yet it's a statement of the fact that these are old. The immune systems are compromised because of age. And they're sick. That's right. why they're in long-term care facilities. And that's where this disease is having its, unfortunately, greatest impact. The other side of that coin mm-hmm. is that if 81% are in long-term care facilities, that means 19% aren't. And of those 19%, wow. many of those were already older and already sick. So when you look at the group of people between the ages of, say, 10 or 15 or 18 and 45 or 50, those that get tested positive have a unbelievably low likelihood of having a negative outcome. It is very, very uncommon. And the media, again, I, I don't mean to, to bash them, but they, they will portray the outliers. They'll tell the stories about the outliers, but the science is what it is. And they're saying if you're a healthy person with a competent immune system, um, you don't have to live in fear. Uh, that's really what it boils down to. Right. Now, Dr. Green, I hate to do this to you, but I want you to read Susan's comment there uh, out okay. loud. And I'm only going to give you 30 seconds to respond, even though I know you are passionate about that said comment. So let's just see how well you do. Uh, Kyle, me and 30 seconds don't go together. Um, okay. Unfortunately, I don't believe, thank you, Susan. Unfortunately, I don't believe most medical professionals understand the importance of diet. I've been told that in six years of medical education, the medical program includes one or two hours of nutrition. Uh, Susan, thanks very much. That's not remarkably inaccurate. Uh, there was an editorial piece written by a, uh, in the uh, New England Journal of Medicine. Oh, pardon me, no, it was the Journal of the American Medical Association, uh, where a recent graduate of Harvard uh, University was being asked questions about diet by his patients, and he wrote this uh, editorial piece back to the magazine and looked back at his curriculum and found that at Harvard University, Harvard Med School, nine hours in his four-year medical degree. So, um, uh, so yeah, that's that's unfortunate. You know, you need to source out places where uh, where you can get information, and there's a lot of good people out there, and uh, I'd be happy to chat with with any of you.
27 seconds are to be not so bad. You're still not so bad. How many seconds? Uh, 47 seconds. That was really impressive. Um, thank you, everyone. Uh, great. <laughs> thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Uh, we will see you next week with Christopher Lawrence on Healthy Transformation. Um, please, for this week, look forward to your challenges. Thank you for participating. Have a fantastic week. Dr. Green, thank you so much once again. I'll talk to you soon. Take care, everyone.